Hello, and welcome to Emmaus Footnotes. This podcast offers uncomplicated guidance for following Jesus. Before we dive into part four of this series, Stability in the Time of COVID, I just want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have reached out to offer your feedback. We are really grateful that you're enjoying the content. And speaking of content, it is my privilege to let you in on some very exciting news. Pastor Nate has a book coming out this fall. And as you might have guessed, it is on stability. It's been fun to read portions of it in preparation for these episodes. And we'll be sure to keep you in the loop on those details as we get closer. But for now, enjoy part four. Last week, I told the story about Abbot Moses the Black, who was a criminal who takes refuge with monks and then becomes a monk. And at the end of his life, he's sought by this pilgrim for advice, for wisdom. And his advice is just go sit in your cell and your cell will teach you everything. And it's this what kind of wisdom? Like how is my place, how is just sitting in one place going to teach me anything? So last week we talked about a few things that place can teach us. And we're going to continue in that theme today. Yes, so far we have covered how place can teach us something about who we are and how we're affected. Um, We're talking about this idea of place because we are all home so much more than ever before. And there's this sense that many have that this time is sort of a black hole or a lost year. And maybe some of the discomfort, or in some cases I'm sure comfort, uh, that you feel about being home can be an unexpected instructor. Um, The value of stability is why we are taking a look at place, and place has something it can teach us about what we really need. So Nate, can you explain to us what you mean when you say that place teaches us about what we need? Good. Yeah. Yeah. How place teaches us about what we need. We imagine a lot of things, and there are, there's a lot of things that can teach us about what we need. One of those things is place, which is why St. Benedict requires those in his community to stay in the same place. In fact, this was a critical piece of his vision for Christian community. Mm -hmm. Context, the church is falling apart, 6th century Rome, Rome is over, the Roman Empire is crumbled. Um, the church along with it. And so Benedict starts this, uh, casts this vision for Christian community, and it takes the place of these small communities of 12 men each, and they make the promise to stay in that place. Because one of the things that he wanted to teach them is about what they actually need and what they don't need. And there was this cultural dynamic at um, in place at the time, mm-hmm. and Benedict hated it, and it was these, and I, we talked about this a little bit in yeah. our first episode. It was these these monks. He called them gyrovegs, which means constantly spinning in circles and going around and around. And it was these monks that would just show up at different places, try to receive the benefits of that place, but not contribute to the value of that place. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially, it was consumerism. It was church shopping. Right. Sixth century style, right? <laughs> and he, he hated it. And one of the reasons he hated it is because it was it was Christianity cloaked in consumerism. Uh, it wasn't the real thing. And the other reason that he didn't like it is because by constantly moving from one place to another place to another place, those those monks, they weren't learning anything about themselves. Mm-hmm. And they weren't learning anything about what they really needed. They were con- of course they were constantly thinking the grass was always greener 
They were never staying to discover the beauty of their of the specific one place um, that they had begun earlier in the day. They're constantly moving on. And so they spend their whole lives pursuing wants and desires, their own wills, their own gross appetites. Those are his, his words. Never slowing down long enough to learn anything about what they need. They're always on the hunt for something better. And that just led to, you know, feeding addictions and tragically overlooking the source of their true contentment, mm-hmm. which can only be found where they where they are if they would stay there, but they never stayed there long enough and long enough to to learn that. So hmm. um, I think our culture shares this same uh, tendency. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that dissatisfaction is what fuels our movement. Yeah. Right. I don't like it here. Yeah. I'm going to go somewhere else. I don't like this relationship. I'm going to ditch it. Um, all the while, the fruit or the result that we're looking for in that movement from place to place or relationship to relationship, it eludes us because not because the fruit is moving, but because we're always moving, right? Most people never stick around long enough to discover the beauty of the place. Um, And one of the, one of the beauties of the place is that it reveals what we, what I really need. So um, one of the authors that I've read, his name's Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, and he started a new monastic community in the southern United States. Mm-hmm. And he says that um, we have been habituated to believe that the answer to our question is always somewhere else. Oh, yeah. We've been trained, in other words, by an economy of planned obsolescence, right? $1,000 computers aren't even meant to last more than three or four years. Mm-hmm. We've been We've been shaped by a culture of fast fashion to ditch the old and move on to the new. And the sooner you can, the better. And all of this moving and shopping and consuming and upgrading has honed our sense of what we like. Right. But it has not taught us anything about what we actually need. Wow. Right. Hmm. So there's a difference there. Um, Here is where we learn what we need. Everyone needs to feel at home. Everyone needs to feel um, a sense of identity. And where we learn those things, those things that we truly need, we learn those things in a place. Here's an example. I I worked several years ago. I went to Thailand Mm -hmm. um, to teach at a school over there. And we were working with Christian refugees from other neighboring countries who had come into Thailand illegally, and so they were stateless. They didn't have a citizenship anywhere. And so what was interesting about that is that in what many in my world seem to take for granted, which is a place to be, uh, a place to root, a place to return to at the end of the day, that was absent for them. But it wasn't just what was to me kind of common homelessness. It was deeper than that. And I took note that what they most needed, what they articulated as their most longed for reality was not food or shelter. It was a a place of belonging. They Mm. said that they were strangers everywhere. Wow. That was the phrase that they used. They had no roots to a place. They were unearthed is the way Esther DeWall would put it. So it seems to me that remaining in a place for a long time 
or on the other hand, being forced to live for a long time without a place, yeah. that's what teaches us what we need and what we don't need, like at a level that almost nothing else can. The difference between what's essential, what we need, and what really boils down to personal preferences and entertainment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the modern American, like if we use Benedict's language, the, the modern gyroveg, one who's moving around constantly, yeah. never develops beyond their preferences. Hmm. It's like their place-related questions never mature beyond the most elementary, do I like it? Right. They never get to a place where they ask, do I need this, right? Yeah. Like on Sunday, somebody asked me if I add one spiritual discipline to my life, what do you think I should add? What's some of the spiritual disciplines that you embrace that are helpful to you? And then they added, well, they didn't need to add um, because I know their situation. They're a, they're a super busy mom. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to say you need to spend an hour in prayer before, right? Right. I was trying, so I was trying to think of a spiritual discipline that would be helpful that could be realistically integrated into their life. And so one of the things that came to mind was that during Lent for years, I've only consumed water as my only beverage. I don't drink coffee or, or juice or anything else, hmm. just water. And, and that's become helpful because I connect to that practice of drinking water, the prayer, Jesus, really, you're all I need, mm-hmm. right? All I need is, all I really need is water. Mm-hmm. I can survive with that, right? right? And so I connect to the prayer, Jesus, you're really, uh, help me to recognize, Jesus, that you're what I need. Um, place can reveal what it is that, that we need. If place is just a thing to be consumed, then it's, it's not going to be looked at as a teacher. Um, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be served as a valuable or critical part of my life. When there are no roots in the ground, the place just becomes, you know, superfluous and inconsequential and unnecessary. And we just litter there because the place doesn't mean anything to us. We just use the place. We don't learn from it. But when we choose to stay, when we remain in a place, or for many, or for some maybe, when we wish we could remain in a place, but we're forced to leave, that place suddenly is like pulses with significance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It becomes this powerful teacher. Helps us realize what we need. I was helping my mom move these granite stones that she'd gathered from all around their property to make a border for a front yard flower garden. And as we talked and kind of struggled to roll these, I was there to help her because these pieces of rock were big. And as we were rolling these rocks around and we were talking about them and it was interesting because we were talk. I found that we were talking about these rocks way differently than if we had purchased them at the landscaping store down the road, mm-hmm. right? Um, because the, even the rocks seem to have a story mm-hmm. or part of some, you know, oh, this used to be over there by that where that thing happened. And my mom said this and I wrote it down. She said, everything means something. Mm-hmm. The trees, the dirt, the rocks everything when you've lived in the same place for 40 years. So in this place, surrounded by 
for her, you know, three acres and 40 years of perspective, she's learned specifically what she needs Mm -hmm. and what she doesn't need. Mm -hmm. There's a clarity about that. Mm -hmm. We could talk about preferences Mm -hmm. and that's important, Mm -hmm. but before that, on a more fundamental level, one of the things that the place has taught her is what's really important to her, what she needs. Mm. Everything means something, she said. Mm. Does that make sense? It's hard. It's kind of hard for me to imagine living in a place for 40 years. Mm -hmm. How do you reconcile the fact that like Paul and Jesus were so itinerant Although not their whole lives, right. right? Right. I mean, Jesus probably was in the same place for like the first probably thirty years. Probably thirty years. Right. Right. And same with Paul. Same with Paul. Um, so they had the foundation of stability. Yeah. So if someone is in like this sort of itinerant season for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and I've lived many, I've lived had two good stints of those. Yeah. In my life, lessons learned for sure. But I know when I came out the end of it, I wanted stability. Mm-hmm. I wanted to lock in with community mm-hmm. and build mm-hmm. and invest over the long haul and like tend to and cultivate and those mm-hmm. types of things. Mm-hmm. I craved that after my stunts of yeah. itinerant <laughs> lifestyle. Right. So how does someone, if they're in that space but where they feel more itinerant for whatever reason they have not landed, right? how do they get these lessons of stability? It's, you just said it. From place. Yeah, you just said it. They, they're in, the, in that case, they're learning from the absence. They're right. learning from the, the negative space. Mm-hmm. You said, I craved. Right? That's, that's a need language. Yeah. So you learned through the absence of stable place that you need some of the things that can only be delivered by being in a stable place right. for a while. Yeah. You, there is no shortcut to some of those things. Yeah. And my mom's example is remarkable because it's just so long. I don't know anybody who's lived in the same Mm-mm. place that they literally bought as a field and now it's this beautiful place. So it's you know it's been a long time. It was 40 years. And the reason I think it's a powerful story is because such a huge proportion or or percentage of her life Two-thirds of her life has happened on this three acres. Yeah. And she hasn't been locked in. She's been able to go all around. But the that container has, has honed not just what I like or what I want. It's honed a sense of what's important. Or yeah. in other words, what I, what I actually need mm-hmm. and what I don't need. Yeah. I just don't need those things. Yeah. I look around and I see, especially in like the real estate space in Placer County, mm-hmm. a lot of pursuit of happiness, a lot of false ideas of what I need in a home right. or whatever, what, what we need for our lifestyle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's nothing inherently bad about that. Sure. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that very few people can speak with authority about what they do and don't actually need. Yeah, Those good. who can speak with authority are rooting that authority in the experience mm-hmm. of having stayed somewhere for mm-hmm. a long enough time, mm-hmm. or in the case of the stateless Christian refugees in Thailand, 
having been without a place for such a long time that they're like, I actually have like a vitamin deficiency for space, for, for a home. Yeah. I need a home. Yeah. And this lack of home for so long has revealed to me what I need. Right. And I am restless. And thankfully, they're looking to the ultimate home yeah. in heaven in the presence of Christ. Something that doesn't sound that appealing to a lot of Americans going to heaven because they haven't longed for that sense of belonging. Right. But I think about this, Melissa, it's like, I feel accepted. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm an accepted person. Where did I learn that? Right. I learned it at 8280 Woodman Lane. Okay, that's in that place is where I learned that. Right. Yes, right. through people and all kinds of other factors, but mm-hmm. place was one of those factors. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think it's valuable and very practical right. to recognize wow, this place where my kids are, this place where my husband and I spend you know, our time, or this place where our family goes on our days off, this place is pulsing with significance. Mm-hmm. Like, let's recognize it, mm-hmm. right? So good. I think our, just, you already said it, but our consumeristic, busy, and I do you know, having worked in real estate, have clients who've, you know, like upgraded every few years because they could. And Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, I don't want to move my stuff that often, Mm -hmm. but, you know, and it's like a little bit bigger kitchen, an extra bedroom or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think um, uh, some of that Mm -hmm. is saying this is a real estate agent. It's probably not a good idea, (laughs) but some of that is destructive to a lot of these other things that we've talked about in the course of stability are rhythms and Mm -hmm. how important that is. Mm -hmm. And I even think about it in terms of incarnational like ministry. If, if people don't know where to find me, Mm -hmm. how can I be with them? That's great. (laughs) You know, And, and I think the more and more as I'm on my own journey in ministry, and have been a part of a variety of programs and tried this and that and the other, just that life on life, being together, Mm -hmm. doing it, figuring it out, like that is really where so much of it is at. Mm -hmm. And all that has to happen in a place. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Right. Yeah, yeah. you can have a, there are those kind of, I would say kind of on the fringe of the Christian tradition that have a concept of Christ the concept is this idea of redemption and sacrificial giving and things like that, who deny the incarnation of Christ. Right. And, and I feel like you no know, part of the power, an essential right. part of the power of Christ is that came to us actual place, lived in a physical body. Yeah. Right? We could find him. So People good. could find him. They sought him in that place, which for him was in one sense his body and in another sense a region and then ultimately the place was the the will of god Mm -hmm. which is where he stayed right let me leave you today with jesus's explanation of what the parable of the sower means listen to the different kinds of soil jesus is talking about we know the various kinds of soil represent the human soul and it's important to also note here that the seed is the message of god's kingdom And that seed needs a place to take root. And the place is a determining factor in fruitfulness. 
Let me read this to you. It's from Luke 8, starting in verse 11. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Lord, give us grace to attend to the soil of our soul. May you delight in God's word. May your roots be firmly planted in him. And may your life bear fruit. We'll see you next time.